Hello and welcome to another episode of the KISS Dog Training Dog Podcast with professionally certified dog trainer, Mike Deeth. Today, Mike's got info on predictive cues and training and the different learning styles of your furry friend. Stay tuned. Welcome back. It's Mike with Kiss Dog Training. Today we are going to be talking about something called a predictive cue. Okay, so let's start with the word cue. Cue, command, something we ask the dog to do that when they do it, we reward it. When they don't do it, we redirect it or create a routine or alternative behavior that makes it more uh, repeatable, I guess. Okay, predictive means helping the dog understand what's coming up next. So when I think of this idea of a predictive cue, the first thing that comes to mind is the veterinary uh, visits or the grooming visits, or maybe even meeting people in public where we need to let the dog know what's about to happen. So um, let's take the vet, for example. If we can teach our dog that every single time we say paw, okay, it might become a shake command. The dog might put their paw in our hand. Um, it could just be a prediction that we are going to do something with your paw. So if I was sitting there hand feeding a dog that I just started with or a puppy, I might very well say paw, touch the paw, give them a treat, touch the paw, give them a treat. As I'm going along, it might become a little bit more of a massage to the paw, doing it a little bit longer than giving the treat. But basically, I want the dog to understand that word paw means we're going to do something with your foot and there's going to be a reward involved. We could even go so far as saying, chin, you know, where I hold my hand up and the dog puts their head in my in my hand. And that could be the cue, hey, I want you to put your head here. I could then add to it and say pet, which means somebody's going to come in and pet me. It could mean, hey, hold right here, you know, and the vet might be doing something at the back end of the dog. Um, I would include a word like touch, which means we're going to touch. Any of these things that we do to help the dog know what's coming next are predictive. And if we can be predictive in our cues, the dog is going to feel more comfortable. Okay, let's go to the groomer. And we're going to say things like brush. Okay, and then I'm going to brush and give him a treat. Brush, give him a treat. Um, I might do nails, which would be a predictive cue of I'm going to get the nail trimmers out and I'm going to do this. And I'm sure you guys, if you haven't, I've talked about this before, but everybody when they do a dog's toenails gets in such a hurry that they want to do all the toenails all at once. What if we just simply said nails, did one nail, gave them a treat and quit for the day. Next day, nails, second nail. And you kind of get the dog used to it without overwhelming them of trying to hold them down or restrict them or give them no choice through the process. So that's just a little tip about nails. But we could do, you know, like I said, brush, we could do nails. Um, I could say tail. A lot of dogs have issues with their tail. So I'm going to say tail and I'm going to touch their, you know, tail and I'm going to give them a treat. I've always done the idea of cradle and massage, which is getting dogs used to this but in a lot of cases, I mean, I find myself using predictive cues without really realizing what they were or that, that we needed something like this. But it wasn't until I heard the word that it was like, wow, I could even focus on this more than I really do. Okay, 
So we've talked a little bit about the veterinarian. We've talked a little bit about the groomer. Um, it could be, you know, even the groomers, you know, saying, you know, groomer's friend or whatever they're going to call the strap that they use when they're on the table so that they won't fall off. Um, we could use a predictive cue of table, which means, okay, we're going to put you up on the table. Um, anything we can do to help that dog realize what's coming next to me, I think is going to be really important. Okay. Um, meeting people, you know, mine is always say hello. So if I'm at a Home Depot or I'm at a Lowe's or I'm at a Bass Pro or one of these dog friendly places, uh, and somebody walks up, I always put my dogs in a sit and I say, stay. And then I'll talk to the people and they say, can I pet your dog? And it's really important for me, you don't approach my dog to pet them. I release my dog to you and they'll come say hello on cue, knowing that they're going to get petted. Now, the reason I do this is there are going to be days just like for us humans, we don't feel like being real social. We could be just having a bad day. But if I say, say hello, and my dog doesn't move forward, that dog is letting me know, I really don't want to do this. And I think it's important that we respect that. So again, that's another example of this kind of predictive cue that allows the dog to know what's coming next. And then, of course, we have to make sure that we're rewarding that behavior as well. Okay, now this brings us to the idea of, okay, a predictive cue. Now let's talk about this, this thing of talking to your dogs. Now, one of my favorite sayings in the world is, dogs don't speak English and we don't speak dog, so don't get lost in the woods of words. I think it's really way more important for a dog to see a hand signal and learn what that hand signal means. So I always start with hand signals, then I start saying the word along with the hand signals, then the words gain meaning. But, you know, there's an entire group of German Shepherd trainers who think you have to say plots for down. Um, I don't care if the dog was born in the Rhineland or not, he doesn't speak German. It's just the word that we choose to use. Every single country is going to have different words for sit and down and come here and stay and all this good stuff. The hand signals are the most important then the words become part of what humans want, okay? Now, flip side of this, if we're using predictive cues and certain words mean certain things, then talking to your dog, there's nothing wrong with it. In fact, I might even argue if we get into the habit of talking to our dogs and using appropriate tone with the dogs, I think it's going to do a lot to relax dogs. Um, a lot of people think that you have to be you know, dominant or strong with your voice whenever you're communicating with a dog, well, that would be like me being dominant and strong with every conversation I had with every person I interacted with. Some people are going to like a softer voice. Some people are going to respond to a louder voice. So I think it's more what your dog is used to. But, you know, I do think that using, you know, I always joke that mom voice, you know, dads stereotypically are the pre-programmed yellers and screamers. And moms are the ones who can, I am so disappointed in you. And, you know, and really, really rip your soul out, okay, when you're in trouble. Um, I think with dogs, using more that mom tone of, you know, what are you doing? Okay, so this brings us to another fancy word in dog training, which is a negative mark, which is what do we say when the dog does something we don't want? And I can remember when I first started in dog training, the popular word was, ah, 
which is kind of this abrupt stop doing what you're doing thing. And very quickly, I kind of just naturally made my negative mark. Nope. Nope. Uh, with one of my dogs, her negative mark is, what are you thinking? What are you doing? Which is, think, try something different. So I think with voice, if you're gruff, it tells the dog that whatever I'm doing at that moment in time is going to get me in trouble, so I better stop behaving. But if you really think about um, our end goal with dog training, it's to get the dog to do what you want. So if they're doing something I don't want, and I can give them a cue, again, we're talking that predictive idea of cues, that this word means, I'm not sure I like that. You sure you don't want to try something different? And all of a sudden the dog sits. Okay, now that's a rewardable moment. I can reward that. So I don't really want the dog to be worried about what they're doing and stop behavior. I want the dog to feel confident enough to go, that wasn't right. Let me try something else. Okay, so a lot of the training you've seen me do um, is a lot of Marco Polo, hot and cold, where I'm giving the dog a choice and then waiting and seeing what they offer and then rewarding it. And the more rewarding the behavior becomes, the more often the dog offers that behavior. So this entire conversation of predictive cues and then the natural next step of talking to your dogs is all about just creating a relationship with your dog and getting your dog to understand kind of what you want in the moment. So um, this is a quick, fast, furious one. We're going to have another one coming up soon about generalization and how that can affect dog training, which is kind of maybe the part two of this conversation. But um, just remember, you know, nobody likes a jerk. So don't be a jerk to get what you want. Give your dog choices. Give your dog a way to know what you want and then reward the snot out of it. So once again, it's Mike with Kiss Dog Training. Um, try to be a little bit more predictive with your cues. Come back next time and we'll talk about something else. If you love the topics you've been listening to, remember, Mike has written tons of books on dog training and all are available on Amazon.com. Just search the name Mike Deeth, D-E-A-T-H-E. They are available in audiobooks, ebooks, and in print. Keep it simple, stupid dog training. KISS, dog training for short, has been helping owners understand their dogs since 2010. We specialize in complex cases such as reactivity, aggression, anxiety, and fear. We offer in-home sessions in and around the Kansas City metro and virtual consulting for those outside that area. We are the dog trainers that focus on training owners, not dogs, emphasizing rewarding what you want and redirecting destructive behaviors into good ones. You can call us at 913-269-7595 or email at info at kissdogtraining.com for more information and help. Wow. Did you know that about predictive cues and training? Well, hang on, because Mike says that your dog might have a different learning style than your friend's dog. Here's Mike. 
Hey guys, it's Mike with Kiss Dog Training. We are back. Hey, the last video we did, we talked about predictive cues and whether you should talk to your dog and all that good stuff. Well, uh, in my brain at least, the next thing we need to talk about is generalization. Okay, humans are generalization machines. Never at any point in my life when I started dog training 15 years ago did I ever assume I would write a book. But it's a different way for people to get information reading than maybe talking to me. Never in a million years did I think that I would be doing virtual dog training. Um, but my clients have left. Uh, we had COVID. We all got good at Zoom and, you know, video conferencing. And then they call me from a different state and say, we're having a problem. And I'm like, okay, well, let's just do a Zoom call. Show me what's going on. Send me a behavior history. And then we kind of do the dog training session online. Um, you know, that goes for this this video, the podcast, any of these different ways. Humans learn in multiple formats. Some people are visual learners, some people are auditory learners, some people want to learn by touching things. I would argue that dogs are the same way, but I think that humans do a way better job of generalization. Um, we learned during COVID that we could all do work at the office, or we could do it sitting at home, or we could do it you know, numerous different ways. When you ask a human to generalize and take knowledge from here and try to do it over here in a different environment, it comes pretty natural to us. Now, my argument in this would be dogs are not good generalizers. Um, I'm sure you've all had that situation where maybe you get a puppy in the wintertime and you teach the dog to play fetch in the house and you're doing great and it's wonderful. And all of a sudden, you spring comes along and you take the dog out in the backyard and you have the exact same toy and you throw it and the dog turns around and looks at you like you're an idiot and goes, well, what do you want me to do? It's like they don't understand that the game of fetch that we played inside the house is the same game of fetch that we were playing uh, or trying to play in the backyard. Um, and I think what when I talk generalization, another way to maybe wrap your head around this is to think about distraction. You know, we talk about the three D's of dog training. We're going to start with duration, then we're going to add distance, and finally we're going to start adding some distraction. I think a lot of times when we want a dog to generalize, we're really wanting the dog to be better under distraction. Okay? And really what all that means is, you know, the age-old saying, if you want your dog to be perfect in all environments, well, you better be prepared to practice in all environments. Um, the flip side of that coin is the old saying in dog training of the living room dog, where your dog is brilliant within the four walls of your house, but becomes a blithering idiot when you walk out the front door. And that's because you've done the lion's share of your work inside the house, and you've never really asked or practiced any of these behaviors in the backyard, or in the front yard, or the driveway, or on a walk. Okay, so... What does all this mean to you as a dog trainer or a person trying to train your dog at home is you start in the least distracting environment, which is the environment the dog usually spends the most time in, which is inside the house. So I'm going to use leash training as an example. Okay. When I start working with a client, we start with basic commands, sit down, look at me, watch me, um, leave it. Don't look at that. Look at me. Um, I will do something called the turnaround game where I'll ask for a sit and I'll give the dog a treat and I turn my back on the dog and I want the dog to come around front and sit, okay? And then I'll give them a couple of weeks to work on that. When I come back, we take all those skills you've already done and now I want you to get the leash out, put the leash on the dog and I want to take it to the next level. And these are just complications of the games you learned before, but now we've added the leash 
but we're still in the house, okay? And we're going to get good at these games in the house on leash, because if your dog isn't brilliant on leash inside the house, why would you assume the dog would be brilliant in the backyard or the front yard? So we introduce the leash, we complicate the games, I give you another two weeks to practice. Then I'm going to work in the backyard and perfect those games. Except in the backyard, I may put the dog on a 15-foot training lead, and now the dog has a choice of walking away from me or paying attention to me, and they have... Again, it's more of a choice type situation, but then I give you two weeks to work in the backyard, okay? And sometimes people can do this faster than two weeks, but two weeks is a pretty typical time I want to put between sessions because life gets in the way and people are busy and I want you to practice and I don't want to add new stuff till you're ready. But once we got the backyard, now we'll move to the front yard and the driveway. And you can see how we're adding layers of distraction going from the house to the backyard. Well, actually, we go from the house to a leash, to the backyard, long line, front yard, long line, you know, and once we have the front yard and the driveway, now we start working on walking up and down the sidewalk in front of the house, okay? And we can either use a long line or a short line at that point, but then after that, we might add having another dog in the picture, two or three driveways down, so that we can practice leave it and seeing more distraction. So, while this conversation started off as generalization and dogs and what can they do, it really ends up a conversation of when you're mad at your dog and they're not doing what they, you're asking them to do, step back and ask yourself, have I ever practiced in this environment? Have I ever practiced in this particular situation? Or is this a brand new situation to the dog and that's why they're failing? It's not that usually they're stubborn or that they won't listen or they're dominant or anything else. It's they're overstimulated, they're distracted, and they don't know how to do the work in that environment. So, take away from all this, dogs don't generalize well. Keep that in mind. That will help you keep your brain in the training mode. Um, number two is that each different environment you add, sitting and laying down patiently, at the city park at a park bench is a totally different thing than sitting at an outdoor restaurant, you know, outdoor patio. That's going to be more distracting. Or maybe trying to sit down at a park bench in a dog park versus a regular park. So when I say dogs don't generalize, I think we just need to realize that we need to teach them an incremental little steps of distraction. And the more layers of distraction you add, the better they get at learning in different situations. But most people don't take that step first. So um, I think those are a couple of little nuggets you might be able to take away and add to your training. If it brings about more questions or you've got things that you want to ask, please email us. Go through the website. Go through social media any way you want to get hold of us. But uh, you know, the entire idea of these videos, these podcasts, however you're getting the information is for folks to reach out to us and go, this, I don't understand why this doesn't work. And then we'll kind of cover different topics that way. So I appreciate you listening. Hopefully you learned something. It's Mike with Kiss Dog Training. We'll see you next time. Thanks.